He's back. I'm He's back. here. I'm Let's back. go. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Connor O'Neill back just in time for the playoff stretch. Whoa. What a time to come back. What a time to make it come back. Uh, we got a lot of games to get to, including the Waterloo Warriors and Carlson Ravens going right to the last second of possible game time. Uh an all-time Canadian football finish. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> you get weather. You get the whole thing. You know what? Let's just start there. Waterloo, Carlton. Uh, this game was a blowout early, a pick six uh, coming from Lefebvre. It was 19 to 10, 26 to 10. And then all of a sudden, here come the Carlton Ravens. And, yeah, it was a tough start for Lefebvre, but final stats in this one for him were really good. Had the pick six, bounce back, threw three touchdown passes. I mean, let's talk about Josh Ferguson, too. 100-yard game for him. I think this was mm-hmm. just an all-around – I mean, I don't want to say it was an all-around good game for Carlton because they were down bad, but it was an all-around great show of resiliency and fighting through that adversity to come back and win it on the Rouge, which – Former Carlton Raven Nate Bahar absolutely loved. Uh, yeah, no, with this one coming down to the end, um, a punt obviously late in the game. Waterloo chooses to field it at the two instead of possibly letting it bounce into the end zone or trying to play a waiting game. Um, really backed them up in their own end, unable to get anything going, and they had to punt it. This was a wicked headwind for them in the fourth quarter. Carlton was playing the field position game, and for Waterloo, they had no choice but to punt a ball straight into a strong wind, let it sit there in field position. Um, Carlton had nothing to do except run the clock and attempt a field goal, but Forcier didn't need to hit it at all. He just needed the leg to clear the back of the end zone. And um, I think for... Coach Corey Grant, maybe the timeout he took right at the end was, or during the Waterloo timeout, he said, we don't need a field goal. We need this ball to be in the parking lot. Oh, I guess there's no parking on that end for Waterloo, but in the field behind the fences, um, get it out of here. Yeah, and I also want to give a quick shout out to the Ravens defense in this one. I know it was a tough start, tough three quarters for him, but to pitch a shutout in the fourth quarter, when you absolutely needed it, it was huge. They have a sneaky good defense, man. Yeah, uh, eight TFLs, a couple forced fumbles. Um, Louis Laveau, I believe, had a block as well or a block kick. Um, it was a big day. It was a big day, certainly, for Carlton. They really hung in last week against Queens but couldn't pull away. This week, they learn from that. They grow, and they're building as a team, and – as we sit looking at the standings, Connor, this one is going to be one that comes back to bite Waterloo. And last week, uh, Carlton now three and four controls their own destiny. Guelph three and four controls their own destiny. And after that, Waterloo, Toronto, uh, they're going to be fighting next week to see if one of these teams slip up. 
can they sneak in? Uh, so for Guelph, that's a big way to go at the end. Really hurts their chances for the postseason. But let's move on. Which game do you want to go to? I'm letting you pick. I want to talk about the Laurier Golden Hawks and the Windsor Lancers because I was super excited for this game this weekend. And it did not turn out the way that I expected <laughs> it to turn out. A 40-7 to win for the Laurier Golden Hawks in this one. Hell of a performance from Taylor Elgarzma. Hell of a performance from the Laurier offense as a whole. But Elgarzma, 27 of 36, 332 yards, two touchdown passes in this one. No interceptions. And what can't this guy a do? A big rushing touchdown, a 20-yard rushing a touchdown. Huge rushing touchdown. Um, you're talking Taylor Elgarzma, and I have been – singing his praises the last couple of weeks while you've been gone about how this guy oh, is know, yeah. the OUA MVP. Um, but what I need to talk about with this game, this was all about the Windsor offense getting back on track. Luke Brubaker, the top player on Laurier's defense at any level, D-line, linebacker, secondary, Brubaker is the guy. Didn't even dress. Danny Skelton was the leading rusher for the Windsor Lancers. Is that a recipe for success for this Windsor team? No, absolutely not. We've seen it the last couple of years. Uh, the game plan really has been put it on Danny Skelton's shoulders and give yourself a chance. At times, he's played really well, and that hasn't worked for other teams. But over the course of this season and last, that's when we've seen this Windsor offense really stall out. And all the hype was for Joey Zorn in his return. Six carries. Nine yards, Chris John, 10 for 39. They were bottled up all game long. Yeah, they were bottled up. And it's atypical, I think, for Windsor this year because when they're firing on all cylinder, when they, when they have all three phases of their offense going, they've been one of the best teams, not only in the OUA, but in the country this year. Like, they are a top 10 ranked school in the country. And I think that... I don't know if this was just kind of a bump in the road or uh, obviously it's Laurier's defense playing a damn good football game too, but I think they need to kind of go back, evaluate the tape, evaluate some of their tape from, from previous games as well and, and come back with, you know, what was really working for us in the games where we were firing, but this is, this was not the game that I expected from the Windsor Lancers, but I, I will give credit where credit's due because Laurier's defense. Wow. Yeah, this was a phenomenal day for them. Uh, certainly early on, the safeties forced were field position, them pinning their ears back. Uh, three total safeties forced, and the field position they gave their offense all day was fantastic. So, uh, yes, Elgersma and Co. are rocking it and putting up a ton of points and yardage, but they're getting a lot of help, and they got a lot of help this last week. So they look to be firing at all high speed uh Quentin Scott just I, I don't think anyone's got a hand on him early all game it felt like he was running five six yards again before he got touched um they're gonna need that again next week though it's they have a huge matchup as for Windsor I'm gonna kind of let it sit until the Tuesday episode I know Connor's probably gonna be busy but um I have some more thoughts on Windsor and Waterloo that I'm gonna get into but not here as we bring back Connors Ottawa GGs 23 to 10. Oh, I guess 23 to 9. 
yeah, it was a it was a good game for the GGs, good win for the GGs. Two shutout quarters. They uh, they blanked the Marauders in the first quarter and the third quarter, holding them to just nine total points. I mean, this is talent wise. This is a pretty loaded McMaster Marauders team. Keegan Hall. They limited him to two hundred yards to the air, one interception. They did a really good job of bottling up the the offensive backfield. I thought, and then. Yeah, I mean, Jackson Cooling goes for 113 on, on 10 receptions. But when you look at what the other receivers did in this one, like Everett Reed, three catches, 26 yards. Uh, Matthew Gale, two catches, 23 yards. Devontae Hudson, one catch, 21 yards. Like, I, I think that the Ottawa secondary did a really, really good job of saying, okay, Jackson Cooling is going to have a day. Fine. We're going to limit you in all other phases. You can't beat us with one player. And with this Ottawa defense, and more importantly, McMaster offense, one-sided approach again. I know they attempted 16 rushes, Connor, but Keegan Hall has the brunt of this offense and the full weight of it on his shoulders. There have been a ton of turnovers this year. uh, But to me, if we looked at his usage rate, like a basketball stat almost, he would be in the top percentile of the country. He is this offense. He is... McMaster's output entirely and when you have the ball in your hands that much there's going to be turnovers happen I mean the interception he was trying to make something happen out of nothing after rolling out to the sidelines and ended up being a pick six to a defensive lineman uh Riley Hildebrandt so once like once again he's trying to make what's the term we use in journalism chicken salad out of chicken you know what he's trying and with the hero ball there's going to be mistakes that come from it. So uh, for Keegan Hall, I, I feel for him as he tries to push and propel this offense, but two and six for McMaster out of the playoffs. Once again, uh, a tough look for Mac back-to-back years. They've really declined since that pre-COVID Yates cup win. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, uh, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, with, with watching this team, I think there's, there's been a lot of moments where you can see what they can do, what their potential can be. It's just how are they going to reach this potential? And I think this offseason, again, they're going to go back to the drawing board. They're going to retool. They're going to find ways. But I do have faith in the, the I do have faith in the McMaster staff. I think it's a great program, but it's just how are you going to sustain, reach, and continue the potential that we've seen in in flashes this year. All right, uh, Ottawa, Josh Jansen, Connor, your team has found light. He has been a breath of fresh air. I say it each and every week, but the consistency in which he throws the football, they don't have to have much. They've got so many athletes out wide. I don't even think Melo, yeah, Melo Fall was not a big factor. Gendron, only four catches. Um, He's played so well that he just lets the offensive line take a breath. They don't always have to be grinding out yardage in the run game. Um, With Josh Jansen, they've got a game against Queens this week. It's going to be homecoming, yada, yada, yada. They're going to really be tested. This is where Jansen is going to be. And I'll get into this with our previews leading up to Thursday. Um, Queens defense is nasty. (laughs) We're going to talk about them here in a second. They are capital N-A-S-T-Y, nasty. And he's going to be tested. They're not going to let them run the ball. No, 
No, they certainly won't. And I mean, just to circle back to Jansen, he is a smooth operator in the pocket, 17 and 27, 261. He's one of these guys. I know we talked about it with a couple other quarterbacks this year, but you don't have to ask him to do, to do too much. He's going to deliver. He's going to get the ball to the playmakers. But yeah, you're right. He's facing a huge test this upcoming week. We won't spoil it too, too much. I know you're going to talk about it on Tuesday, but he is going to be facing a huge test with this Queens Gales defense coming up. There's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of rushers in his face, in his grill. So let's see if he, if he can stay calm, stay smooth with that Golden Gales defense hot on his tail. And guess what? We're talking about Queens next because not only was this defense on point, listen to these stat lines, okay? All of the players were in. Keegan Vanek, fumble recovery, okay, added in. Uh, Darren Newell, four tackles, two of which were sacks, an extra one was a TFL. Okay. Ashton miller Melanson, five and a half tackles, two picks. And Silas Hubert, who is not even at full speed yet, he is still working back from his injury. Seven and a half tackles, two sacks, two more TFLs, and a forced fumble. Oh, all headlined by Oliver Mwembe, who also had seven and a half tackles as he flies. This guy's a freak, Connor. Queen's defense is for real. They are a pain in the you-know-what for any team. And really credit to Guelph for sticking with the run game uh, and Donovan Malloy. But I, I think that Queen's was just kind of letting them take short yardage and run the ball once they were up. Yeah, this Queen's defense is is so much fun to watch. The way they operate, the way they play off of each other, the way they get into the backfield and mix things up is incredible. And they are going to, again, they're going to cause some problems. They cause some problems this week. They're going to cause some problems next week. They're going to cause problems when you get into the playoffs. But let's talk about the offense here because Jared, it is the Jared Chisari show with Queen's right now. Russell Weir is doing everything he needs to do in terms of Yep. Handing the ball off and hey, watching Jared Chisari. 16 attempts last. 222 yards. 16 attempts yards. this week, nine last week. They're, they're letting Russell Weir take a few more shots, uh, but you are right. Jared Chisari. He doesn't need to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because when you have a guy like that, I mean, what was the what was the stat that we put out yesterday on uh, on CA Perspective? Oh, give me Go a ahead second and here. Tell the I, listeners. It was. Uh, it was a redo of his last three games or a recap. So against York, 17, 286 and five, that was an OUA player of the week. Uh, this last week against Carlton, 26 for 231, no touchdowns because your man is a vulture. And we'll talk about that next. Uh, this week, <laughs> 33, 229, no touchdowns again. But while he has not scored in the last two games, Anthony Souls last week went 98 and three. This week went 23 and two. So Chizari and Souls as a combination are just demolishing teams left, right, and center. And that's, I mean, that's the Queens formula, right? We know Queens is going to run the ball. We know Snyder's from that Western tree where we are going to grind you into the ground with our run game. And can you stop all three of our? Very, or can you stop both of our very talented running backs? It's, and, it's so much fun to watch Queens play offense. And with Russell Weir, 
Connor, it's almost like they've dialed it back to when James Keenan was the quarterback. Because when yeah. he does drop back, it is one to two reads and take off. Get out of here. We don't he's want you hanging out. He is. He's fast. He's he's deceptive. Um, I, I think where they're going to run into an issue, uh, the longer Vreek is out, the more teams are going to expend a ton of resources to slow down this run game. Whether they can or not is a different question. Um, but as they expend resources, it's going to put more pressure on Russell to sit in the pocket as well if they get into second and long situations. Yeah, I think, and just before we move on, I think that's my my major question with Queens now. And it's not like, it's not a knock or anything. It's just because they haven't really had to do so yet. But like when they do get into these situations where teams are loading the box and just focusing on the run, what is it going to look like when they're trying to force Russell Weir to beat you with his arm? How does he react to that? How does he uh, adjust and adapt? Yeah, and uh, as Queens kind of plays this waiting game with Alex Freakin, um, this is now week four uh, with the injured wrist. We don't know that timeline for return. Um, but let's move on to the final game, the nightcap. Uh, deceptive if you are looking at the box score for this one. This game, Connor, was 11 to 10 with 233 left in the game. And then Western scored. Toronto punted it. They had a huge punt return from Kabongo. Western scored again. And then they got, I believe, a turnover. And Western scored again. And in the blink of an eye, from 234 to 20 seconds left in the quarter, Western went up 32 to 10. 21 points. Bam. When it rains, it pours. Yeah, that was... That was the nail in the coffin. I mean, when you when you allow a team like Western to score 22 points in under two minutes, that it makes coming out of the half so much harder. It's deflating, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think when, when something like that, when you're in the game and then you essentially go down 22 points in a span of two minutes, it is deflating and it is tough to come out in the second half to that. And, against teams like Western, you just cannot give them that type of edge. And the final, obviously, 66-24. Western just continued to pile on towards the end with pick six, uh, a big uh, run-in from Jerome Rancor, who had two touchdowns on the day. Um, I I think with Toronto, like you're saying, it was deflating. You could tell that this team was uh, pretty fired up. They were in a tight game with the Western Mustangs, who were 7-0, they're playing to control their own destiny with the playoffs. And like you said, blink of an eye, those hopes and dreams are dashed. Once Western gets up on you, we all know it's tough to play with and against them, but they certainly put the pedal to the metal uh, late in this game to just kind of keep the grind on. And for Western, you know, it was an impressive day for obviously their big players. Uh, Yazbek and Edwards combined for over 100, two touchdowns. Rancor rushed two, Hillock rushed one. So five on the ground. Um, Hillock threw for 302 as well. I, I think as they kept going, 
Hillock started to open up more downfield. But uh, during the game, we'll say was kind of favoring his elbow a little bit uh, as they went on. So something to watch for as they come into this next week and as it gets more chilly <laughs> here in the OUA with the final push going. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, just to kind of circle back on, on Hillock, like to use a, an NBA 2K term, he's a volume shooter, right? The more he throws the ball, the more he gets comfortable, the more the game opens up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's going to affect him next week and what that's going to look like. But I certainly expect the Mustangs to kind of enter the postseason with an undefeated record and Ooh. be the number one seed in the OUA. Look at that. Connor comes in on a Sunday and gives his picks for the following week. I gave I gave a pick, one pick. I'm not going right. to be there on Tuesday, so i got to get one in now. But I'll text <laughs> you them, and you can read them out on, okay, uh, on the Tuesday pod. Um, but for us, that's all we have. Western 66, Toronto 24. Uh, big week coming up as lots of games will be on the bucket list. Uh, Lori Western's a big one. Carlton Guelph is the other major playoff implications. Uh, Waterloo Toronto hanging in as well. So with that, Connor R. O'Neill making his triumphant return at Wade Zank at CF Perspective. Enjoy the rest of your week, whatever it entails. Take care. Here we go. Connor Free, uh, well, he's he's busy right now. So this is the back half of the Tuesday episode where I kind of talk about those extra little pieces that we were missing. Um, I know that I had mentioned uh, during the OEO recap, I was going to talk a bit about Waterloo. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Windsor as well. Um, can we start in Ken West, though? What the hell just went on in Canada West? Um, okay, first things first. The Saskatchewan Huskies have found their bugaboo, their unlucky charms, their... I don't know what superlative you want to use. Second loss this season to the Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, 23-20. This one was a tight match. I really want to talk about Alberta and the kind of game they're playing. Um, obviously, the walk-off field goal from Justini. Uh, he also had a pick on the game. The fact that he's their starting kicker and also plays in their secondary um, at U Sports kind of baffling. Kind of a cool little nugget. Like, wow, a U Sports team has someone kicking but also playing in on defense like high schools usually do oh wait except this guy's actually really good at both so it kind of works out for them um no this game was all about alberta controlling the pace of play um we didn't see too much going on from amandrid like he had a solid game 18 of 30 262 a pick a touchdown um the receivers had a fair spread running game was still there but scoring is tough and when you have Alberta dominating with Matthew Peterson going for 168 and they control an extra three and a half minutes of game time, um, 
it starts to swing in their favor. Uh, 420 yards of total offense, and they've laid a blueprint out on how to beat Sask, but the blueprint is a blueprint. Not everyone can execute it. Not everyone can build it properly and reach the foundations that they need to. Alberta has been able to twice this year. It is clearly not a joke. It was not a fluke. They've done it on the road, at home, and now we are looking down the barrel of the gun uh, at the playoffs. Uh, Alberta may be traveling to Sask at one point. Alberta may be hosting Sask at one point. UBC dropped a game as well. So maybe Alberta gets home field advantage uh, coming up here in the playoffs. That would be huge. Foot field being the the spot that the Hardy Cup has to go through uh, was not on my bingo card for this year. I was pretty open and honest about saying UBC was my Vanier Cup favorite. Alberta played UBC tight. They've beaten Saskatchewan twice. Uh, the Golden Bears are a threat. They are. Hetlinger is a really good distributor of the football. They're balanced offensively. You no, have no questions about their interior play, like offensive line, defensive line, because they have a CFL defensive line, Zafransky, Quadwo, uh, leading the way. Offensively, come on, you know, is it a Coach Morris coach team? If the offensive line isn't superb, no. Uh, end of discussion. But let's look at UBC here. I got a text from someone in Calgary. Is UBC's quarterback usually this bad? No, no. Garrett Rooker, quite frankly, is never this bad. 17 of 31, a pick, under 200 yards. Um, no Isaiah Knight, though. Huge difference for this team as they make a push. Um I feel like UBC needs a reset button. They're probably going to get one this week coming up at home uh, as they continue to play against really strong opponents, but they can't be caught looking ahead. They've got Regina. They just lost to Calgary. They're going to come out with their bums on fire ready to go, if you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Okay. Let's go OUA for a bit before we get to the Canada West and where we're looking uh, back at the RSEC. Okay, here it is. Waterloo. Two straight games they've really just thrown themselves and their chances at the postseason into a bit of a tricky situation. They no longer control their own fate. They no longer have a spot in the playoffs unless... Guelph loses and they beat Toronto. That's the scenario. I'm going to lay out the OUA scenarios for uh, the OUA this week in a video. So catch that on socials. There's an article as well to help you figure it out. Um, But I think with this team and the way they are going, people are kind of like, well, what does it say about the program? I don't think it says anything about the program. If you look at this Waterloo Warriors team and the reincarnation sense, uh, they had their scandal and the team was uh, suspended for a season. Look at what's happened. They were below 500. They got the best quarterback prospect we can confidently say in this century in Trey Ford. Like since the turn of the century, he is probably the best or one of the best U sports quarterbacks we have ever seen in terms of sheer athletic ability, throwing the football as well. 
Um, yes, people have been more accomplished. Yes, the stats are better for some people. But in terms of pure play, we can confidently say that Trey Ford is the best or one of. That got them to 500. Having the most important position being one of the best players of recent memory. Only to 500. Not a playoff win. A couple playoff appearances, but they could not break that marker. And now that Trey Ford's gone, they've fallen back to, well, something better than they were before because he had elevated their recruiting and Coach Bertoia has certainly elevated their system and program as a whole. But they're not as bad as they were, but they're not at that Trey Ford level because it took Trey Ford to push them to that point of being a potential playoff team or a playoff team depending on the year. So I think for Waterloo, you can't really expect as a, as a fan much more than this. Yes, it's always tough to follow up having that superb quarterback, um, but it's something they have to do. It's something they're trying to do, and they're close. They're really close to finding that level that they were at before. Remember, they had a different starting quarterback last year, Nolan Caban. This year, it's Nick Orr. Next year, do we get Nick Orr again and see growth, or do we start with a new quarterback and kind of are in the same place? The program is building, but you have to look at yourself and look honestly at the program you're cheering for or viewing and say, historically, what have we been? What got us to our best point? How close are we to that point? Even though you can't replicate, you can't duplicate Anything that Trey Ford does. With that being said, I want to talk about the Windsor Lancers because they are trying to replicate uh, not only the successes of their program's past, but they're trying to replicate uh, a philosophy, a scheme. They're doing it their own way, their own style, but it's the same kind of thing we've seen across the country with these coaches from the Greg Marshall tree. And I know coaching trees are a big thing in the States. When you have that Greg Marshall tree, as we've seen, and Steve Schneider's got it now, uh, X had a piece of it when he was there, and they've kind of continued it on, but Chris Pertoia Chris has it with Waterloo, that establishing the run, playing a really strong defense at the point of attack, and then having really good athletes in the secondary, uh, it works. It does work, but the... Difference makers and the differences come when you have the ability to stretch the field. And for Windsor, look, they started out with a real nice schedule. It was a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of, you know, McMasters, Guelph, Waterloo's, Ottawa, while they were still trying to figure out their new quarterbacking situation. Um, Queens with a backup quarterback. And then they start to face the really tough teams. And even when they faced Queens with a backup quarterback, it wasn't like they dominated Queens. It was a lot of Queens making mental errors and shooting themselves in the foot that allowed this Windsor team to pull ahead and end up winning by 24 points. So what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way, Windsor didn't really beat anyone of note at full strength. And I think the at full strength thing is more of a U.S. like, look at the resumes, look who they beat. I am going to because while we do have seven playoff teams and it's all a new season once we get there, they 
struggled to put away Ottawa. They crushed Waterloo. They crushed Guelph. They crushed McMaster. Those three teams are on the bottom end of the OUA. They beat Western, who, you know what, long travel, new quarterback, not making excuses, but Queens gifted them two defensive touchdowns and some really good field position a couple other times. Remember, four interceptions from Queens quarterbacks. As for Western, Western pushed them around. They get their bye week. Okay, they're coming out fresh. This is a chance to make a statement. They can get the number two seed if they potentially win this game and have some help the next week. Lore absolutely dominates. This game was not close. Uh, Luke Brubaker, as I mentioned in the OUA recap, did not even play. And quite frankly, it looked like Laurier didn't really need him because the dominant aspect of his game in the pass rush, they still did well. They dominated the point of attack in the run game too. And offensively, oh gosh, Quinton Scott. <laughs> I uh, I think it was uh, Jack Moore, I believe his name is, the play-by-play guy for, for Laurier. Great Scott at one point. I was like, oh, that's perfect. It goes with the bus, uh, the GRT who I'm really hoping gets a touchdown here in the next week. Um, but for Windsor, yeah, they play a really unique scheme. It catches people off guard initially. Um, they're physical when they can get that ground game started. They go downhill fast, and they start to really stack up yardage and points and kill time and keep you exhausted. Uh, but when it comes time to play the big dogs, their offense has not shown up. Against Queens, against Western, against Laurier, the offense did not show up. And as you go into these playoffs, Queens offense is finding their mojo. Yeah, they've got a backup. He's not going to be in there the whole time. Alex Vreekin will come back. Western already pushed you guys around. Laurier already did the same. Remember, for that Western game, the touchdown they scored was Giovanni Cunningham on a punt return. It was not like the offense put up a ton of points in that one. So... Outside of the fourth quarter touchdown at Laurier, the offense has not done much since they went to Ottawa a month ago. That is a huge drought for this team that needs to play a complete game in order to win. Um, I thought getting Joey Zorn back would be the difference maker. He was not. Maybe he's not 100% yet, but he's trying to get there. This week, they've got York. They're going to go out, cruise, get their stuff done, end their season on a positive note. And move into the playoffs already locked into that three seed. They know they're going to get a Carlton who's got a really tough defense. Or they're going to get a Guelph who's got a really tough defense. So uh, for Windsor, the offense is concerning. They have not played well against the top end teams that they're going to need to quite frankly beat. To get to where they belong and where they think they should be this year. I'm putting it on the shoulders of Danny Skelton. I'm putting it on the shoulders of that offensive line and run game to get back in action. A uh, couple minutes. I know this is a long podcast because Connor and I went for 21 on the OUA recap. Montreal kind of slapped the hell out of Laval Rouge Or I have put away the Laval shirt for the <laughs> next couple weeks because holy hell. Uh, 28 to nothing. I think Jim Mullen said, when was the last time Laval was shut out in RSEC play? I don't know. It's been a long time. Uh, certainly longer than I can remember. But the Carabae, 
Nicky Farinaccio uh, on one side, Jonathan Senecal on the other. Senecal was nearly perfect. 24 29, 252 and a touchdown. Also was the leading rusher with 60 yards and one on the ground. Uh, this this team is for real. They've got a lot of veteran DBs. Uh, I don't even think Nicky Farinaccio had a huge impact on this game other than his pick. Um, but this this team's for real. Hassan Doso is picking up his steam again. Uh, watch out for the Carabay. I know this is kind of like a like late news bears, but <laughs> the Carabay, they're going to get round three against Laval at Sepsum. The power of that home field advantage cannot be stated in enough, or I guess with enough importance. So uh, Laval, they got a lot of soul searching to do over the next couple weeks. As for us, oh, it's almost the playoffs. One more week, some big matchups. I'll bring it to you guys on Thursday. Stay tuned, enjoy your week, and let's freaking go. Postseason ball around the corner.